who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. And welcome to this week's episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! We're back at it again a little bit later in the week than we usually are, but you know, it's been a busy week. We've been dropping a lot of episodes, so a lot of stuff's going on. So you'll excuse us, but we're going to recap the week, talk <laughs> about some of the big uh, um, stories that were happening. Through the week and have some fun doing that. Let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. Mike. I am Michael Vogel, a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. Where right now you can see some of our latest work on Netflix with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, season two, under the watchful eye of that guy, showrunner oh, Michael Vogel. I sense we've got a Vogel and Idol, so let's uh, let's try to let's try to get him motivated to get uh, dived in. He's, he's chill. I can tell he's in morning chill mode right now, so I respect it. We're gonna jump into so many things. I'm having my course. coffee. I'm having my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to Carbon Health that continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Your CarbonHealth.com is where you want to go for all your healthcare questions, concerns, and needs. They got an app for you as well that you can put a doc in your pocket. They've got 80 plus locations in California, 100 plus locations all over the country. Go get checked out today. Better health means just stick around and stay a buddy with us 
for as long as possible. All right, let's jump into it. The way the show works is the three of us uh, pick a geek news item, we take a break, and we jump into a main topic. And uh, Shannon McClung, I think you start us off. I certainly do. So we starting with trailers, trailers. Yesterday, we got our first peek at the uh, trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now, this one has been uh, a a little bit a a little bit talked about, not necessarily in the best way in the (laughs) casting of their lead character, Chris Pratt as Mario. (laughs) There were people had a lot of thoughts, people who people who played the game, people who didn't play the game, people who were Chris Pratt friends, people who were, may not be Chris Pratt friends anymore. But along with Chris Pratt, we actually do have a really, really great cast, some of who we got to see in this, mainly Jack Black as uh, as the Bowser, the King Koopa. Uh, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, is going to be Princess Peach. We got to hear a little bit of Keegan-Michael Key's uh, uh, Toad and also a little bit of Charlie Day's Luigi. Mm. Um, so this is coming from... From Universal and Illumination Entertainment, that is responsible for the Despicable Me franchise, The Secret Life of Pets. Um, I gotta tell you, this first trailer I thought was excellent. I mean, not really focusing on one individual performance, but just the. I, I thought it looked gorgeous. I thought the uh, comedy was right on point. I think Jack Black is going to be fantastic and also Keegan-Michael Key, very, very funny. But gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you. What did you think of our first look at the Super Mario Brothers movie? Mike? Johnny? Well, listen, I've never played the game, so all I can tell you is this. The animation looks fantastic. Really love the way it was presented. Some funny comedic beats within the trailer, those little uh, blue snow things, whatever, throwing snowballs. That was really funny. Those are are penguins. Oh, penguins. Okay, penguins. I don't know if they've got different names. They're for them flightless the birds that live in cold uh, Arctic locations. The penguin <laughs> pushes the egg to the middle. Of- yeah, I, I saw the movie. I saw the movie, March of the Penguins. But yeah, uh, but the other aspect of it all is uh, this looks like they spent a lot of money on this animation. You two are more animation experts than I am, but it looked really well done. The color, the design, all of it. And then Mario comes in right at the end. And I think that was done on purpose, right? Because... As you mentioned, Shannon, the hassle about uh, Chris Pratt's voice. And he did just sound like Chris Pratt. But as someone, I'll say this, my slight expertise here, as someone who's done voiceovers, I can tell there's just a hint of the Italian accent right on the end of certain words. And I think that's a very smart move by Pratt to, and the people, the voice director, to subconsciously kind of get there in your mind that, yes, he's playing an Italian character. I don't know it's a Japanese creation. I know all that. But, like, he's playing an Italian character. But they're not obviously going to dial into the Italian accent, which is really smart. But he'll have a hint of it. And that's kind of smart. So I thought it was overall, I was like, well, this might be fun to go see uh, for someone who's never played the game and knows nothing of the lore, the history, other than, like, pop culture references and Elon Musk dressing up as Wario. That's basically my thing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Mike, your thoughts on the trailer? I'm still trying to get over the fact that you've never played a Mario game. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Like it, you've it never like past my time. Super Mario Brothers. Th- th- your time. There's been a Mario game out for our entire lives. Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers Two, Super Mario Brothers oh, Three, Super Mario, Super Mario World, Mario Kart. Like I just don't understand how this is a part of the world. Like. You've never, like, thrown a red turtle shell or jumped in a pipe or no. stomped on a Goomba or got the star or the leaf that gave you the raccoon tail. Like, you've done no. none of it. 
You've no, never played Mar- you never played Mario Kart at Florida State, Johnny? No, I, not even at Mike's house. I don't think I ever played Mario Kart. I, think I just watched you guys play. There was like one summer that all we did was eat Taco <laughs> Bell and play Mario Kart. Yeah. What were you doing? Sitting and watching you guys play Mario Kart. Oh, I think man, it was this just, is this Or is listening really... to musicals. Your musicals uh, uh, CD collection, <laughs> I, mean, I don't mind admitting. <laughs> I do have a lot of – I do. I did have a lot of musicals. That is true. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, so in addition to that really going to take me all weekend, to get over the fact that you've never played a Mario game. Um, I do agree that the trailer looks gorgeous. I think yeah. the animation looks really beautiful. It looks vibrant. I'm really happy that we are in an era where studios are spending money on video game franchises, whether yeah. that's Detective Pikachu, whether that's the Sonic movies, now with Mario. like They're not cheaping out. Like They recognize that there is a huge audience for this and they're spending the right amount of money. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to the comedy that Shannon was really, really digging in the trailer. Uh, I thought, I thought it was fine. The penguin, the penguin attack with the snowballs. That was funny too. That was funny. (laughs) I I think, I think maybe it's just AM Vogel. He he hasn't had his giggle juice Um, yet. Like I thought, I thought the trailer was fine. Uh, You know, I just think it just seems like they're not really, it's fine. Like, am I going to see it on opening day? I'm absolutely going to be there. Right. Uh, as for the Chris Pratt of it all, I just want to read you from when uh, oh, no. Variety. Here's what Pratt said oh, no. about his voice. And Variety said Pratt, who is not an Italian plumber in real life, <laughs> recently teased his Mario voice, calling it unlike anything you've heard in Mario Brothers. I worked closely with the directors, trying oh. out a few things, and landed on something I'm really proud of. Can't wait for people to see and hear it. It's an no. animated voiceover narrative. I'm not going to be wearing a plumber suit running all over. I'm providing a voice for an animated character, and it's updated and unlike anything in the Mario world you've ever heard. It's Chris I, Pratt with a slight accent. I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> it's Chris Pratt with a slight accent. He's got a, got a little bit of a New York, uh, hey, we're going to go find the mushrooms. Oh, whoa, whoa. Bada boom. Like, Which has never been heard in a Mario yeah, game. You know, I will give it to you. It's never been heard. Um, we'll, we, will, we will see. I, I have played Mario my entire Fair life, enough. and I really like it. I also think that... The Mario world is so sort of elastic and weird and crazy Mm. that, like, there's definitely a lot you can do. And looking at the trailer, you can see that the people that worked on it do understand the world of Mario. Like, just Mm. even seeing Luigi in sort of a more haunted location. Like, there's just things that you're like, okay, yeah, this all tracks. This all thing. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what it is for me. The Chris Pratt of it all is kind of like a little bit of an eye roll. But the bigger thing is just really what is the story? Um, you know, yeah. there's been versions of video game movies where it's really basic and you're kind of like, oh, that's all they did. And then there's things like, you know, there's on the one end, there's uh, well, on the one end, there's the live action Super Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, <laughs> which the less said about it, the better. Yeah. And on the other end, you have things like the Lego movie, which even though it's not based on a video game, took a toy and did something really interesting and unique and different with it. This looks like it's going to be a little bit more middle of the road. Like we're bringing the mushroom kingdom to life. So it's just really, what's the story? What's the narrative? What's the arc for Mario? Um, So once we get to the new, the, the trailer trailer and not just the teaser and we get a little bit of a sense of what the movie really is about, I'll get, I promise a little bit more excited or a little bit more sassy about it. Either way, entertaining for all of you. (laughs) <laughs> well, and it's, well a, it's it's a stack cast. Anya Taylor Joy, what? 
That's a, it's a heck of a cast. Jack Black, Charlie Day, a lot of Keegan Michael Key, even some uh, voiceover veterans. Kevin Michael Richardson doing a voice in the cast. So it's it's got a good mixture there. But um, well, and yeah. also uh, uh, Charles Martinet, who has been the voice of Mario yes. through the, the entire existence of the franchise. I believe he yeah. also has has a cameo in it. So yeah, ask uh, Tara Strong about that on Twitter. Woof, daddy, woof, daddy. <laughs> so she's been uh, kind of going off on that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are all going to get to see the Super Mario Brothers movie on April seventh. Not Grumpy Pants Vogel. He'll be on. He'll be there on the eighth. <laughs> but the Super Mario Brothers movie comes out next year, April seventh. And speaking of video game movie writers. And uh, some actually some folks who were in the Super Mario Brothers movie from the writers of Sonic the Hedgehog, both one and two, Pat Casey and Josh Miller, and from the director of Hansel and Gretel, Monster <laughs> Hunters or Witch Hunters, yeah. um, comes Violent Night starring David Harbour. Now, we have gotten to a point with certain films that it's almost like SNL sketches that they film as a digital short, as a joke, are now coming to life. (laughs) And that's what we get with Violent Night. David Harbour has an inebriated Santa Claus who... Who go who who on uh, uh, Christmas Eve goes out to uh, help someone on the nice list whose family has been taken uh, uh, taken hostage by John Leguizamo, Luigi from the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> live action <laughs> nice movie. <connect. laughs> um, and, and this is also from uh, David Leitch, who produced Nobody and Bullet Train. Um, I don't know who this movie is for. But this trailer had me, I mean, it had me rolling. I was like, I think this this looks really, really funny. I, I'm curious how you do a Santa Claus, uh, an R-rated bloody Santa Claus movie and don't want kids to see it. But uh, I'll throw it over to you guys. What did you think of our first look at Violence Night? Let me tell you something, people. Shannon may say he doesn't know who this is for. This is a Roka Shannon Saturday afternoon, Friday afternoon special with a brewery right afterwards. A couple of drinks and brewery. Right, This is absolutely one of those ones we would see when I used to live in L.A. This is great. I did a trailer reaction for it because I couldn't. I was like, I saw this and I was like, wait, there's money behind this in terms of the promotion of it. They sent me a nice little one sheet with a candy cane attached to it. I was like, I got to do a trailer reaction for this. Watched it. Loved it. I really did. It's it's the right amount of we get why you'd want to watch this film, but we're also not making it stupid uh, and making it a Stallone vehicle or something. This actually has like nobody. Cause I mean, 87 North, uh, they did nobody, John wick. They've done uh, Hobson Shaw. They've done enough. They've been successful for the most part on these kind of offbeat action films. Now does the box office match the quality of the film sometimes? No, not always. Nobody didn't do well, but I thought that was a damn good movie. It so, was. The, yeah, the fact that these people are involved in it, I think, makes me excited. Plus, it's David Harbour, and he's almost like a superhero with that bag of his. Stick the knife in and pull out a present. Like, it's interesting. His little holographic thing of who's hot, who's nice, who's got the, he's got the blueprint of the whole house. All of that. And he is, and they're not skimping on him killing people, either putting a, a grenade in a dude's butt or whatever and stabbing another guy like with the with the star on the Christmas tree. Like, it is, it is going to be a blast, and I'm going to have fun watching it. And it's for the adults who have that little child inside of them and that smirky little naughty child to enjoy this movie. That's what I think. Mike? Uh, this trailer was amazing. I'm 100% <laughs> going to see this movie. This movie was made for me, and I am in. Um, it is Die Hard. 
as a Christmas movie. Sure. And Die Hard already is a Christmas movie, but they're doubling down on the Die Hard Christmas of it. Like it is, it is Santa Claus as as John McClane. Like that yeah. is that that was the pitch, and somebody was like, "I'm fucking in." Um, to Shannon's point, I couldn't help. I was watching the trailer. I'm like, "Oh God, do you guys remember?" I don't remember. I don't know what your Scrooged came out with Bill Murray. Oh yes, but. <laughs> The network he was working for did they put yes. a commercial in the Scrooge movie yes. of Santa mowing down a bunch of terrorists with a machine gun, and that was parody. Like, oh, could you ever imagine if a network actually made yeah. a movie like this? And I was like, well, it's it's 2022, gentlemen, and here we've we are. <laughs> we've we've made it because this is coming. And we're all going to see it. So yeah. I, it, I was like, ah, what does that say about society? I don't know. But I will. I am 100% in. It looks so funny. Yeah. And kind of, Johnny, to your point, it does kind of look like it takes, in a smart, fun, really tongue-in-cheek way, all the things that we know about Santa. Yeah. Uh, the magical nature of Santa, the reindeer, the naughty and nice list, like his bag that uh, somehow holds all of the presents in the world for all the boys and girls. Like and says, yeah, well, OK, let's make those weapons to kill a bunch of bad guys. And you're like, yeah. all right, you know what? I am I am intrigued. He's, um, he, so he's I'm like hang dog Santa, Mike, right? He's sitting in the bar with a with another like a mall Santa. And he's like, I'm the guy that started it all, you know, and then you've got the little <laughs> joke with him uh, stepping on Prancer's poop. They're making him like a hangdog Santa. And this is almost like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. Like, I'm excited to be Santa because I'm going to fight these guys off. Like, it makes this this year's going to be special because cool. I get to do this. Right. Because he's been doing it for so many years. And what makes it I think what makes the trailer a little bit better than just, hey, Santa's going to kill a bunch of people is to your point, it does seem like there is come some kind of story. Like, nobody is a great movie. Yeah. Even John Wick, you know, like, like the John Wick movies, like, there is, it is an excuse to have, and nobody is the same, it is an excuse to have these elaborate, awesome action sequences. But at the heart of it, there is a story about a person that is yeah. dealing with something in their life. And it looks like Santa's dealing with some stuff. I don't know if the movie is, does he really feel like he makes a difference in kids' lives anymore? Is Santa even relevant? Do kids still believe in him? Like, whatever it is, he ends up with this little girl that's like, Santa, I need you. And he was like, I'm all in. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I have a feeling, I might be wrong, but I have a feeling that this movie, you're going to come out and you're going to go, that was violent as fuck, but... It was kind of sweet and Christmassy. I yeah. kind of feel a little, uh, kind of feel a little uh, winter magic in my heart here. And also, <laughs> there was a lot of blood and guts. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think that there's going to be a twist with the dad. There's got to be him holding all that money in that big ass safe. There's got to be a twist coming with the dad, which will be curious to see. Also, the name of that movie was "The Night the Reindeer Died" on yep. Scrooge. <laughs> And it was uh, Lee Majors, the great six million dollar man as Santa. So David Harbour is the Wait. six million dollar man in a reboot. Sign me up right fucking now. I, I, would I just love that when Scrooge came out, it was like the night the reindeer deer died, and we're like, oh, that's crazy. And now we're like 2022, we're like violent night. Fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, Violent Night will be hitting cinemas this December, December 2nd. Uh, so in just a couple of months here, maybe uh, 
Maybe we'll have a little Geek Buddy special, uh, a few few beers, and then go see Violent Nights. I'm telling you, you won't have to talk me into that. I might drive. I would drive up for that, to be honest with you. If they, if and if I get a screen screening and there's an LA offer, maybe I'll, all three of us will go. That'll be a blast. Ho ho ho. <laughs> Um, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into our uh, next story here uh, dealing with the Superman now through June 29th you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway shop for items like Coca-Cola products Deer Park Natural Spring Water Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt Mott's Original Applesauce Heinz Ketchup and McCormick Spices and earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today offer valid through June 29th see store for more details it's funny you say that use that theme there are there are references to that theme in the black adam there's supposed to be in the black adam movie so a lot of people are kind of battling online between the Hans zimmer theme and the john williams theme about what should be used here because here's the next story there's these very very strong rumors that henry cavill's superman is going to be back uh, in Black Adam, it's a report at the Wrap that's uh, that they were talking about how Ezra Miller is, had came back recently to do a day's worth of reshoot on the studio's lot, and, and it comes after uh, after after Miller met with the studio back in August. Uh, and a recent episode of the Marvel Vision podcast claims that Henry Cavill is back in the role of Superman for not just a Black Adam cameo, but a new Superman film and suggests Dwayne Johnson was heavily responsible. They're quoted as saying, the reason why Henry Cavill has returned as Superman and Black Adam is because Johnson demanded it. Like, he went hard, full-court press on Warner Brothers, and made them go to Henry Cavill, and they had to sign a new deal with Henry Cavill, including saying they were going to develop a new Superman movie, and it was all because The Rock insisted it. Now, normally, I would blow this stuff off, and we'll see if it happens, but my co-host on the hot mic, Jeff Snyder, yesterday in our episode, as we're recording this yesterday in our episode, stated very clearly, according to his sources, Henry Cavill is going to be back as Superman is. Go- he said it definitively on the show, which I'll be putting up later on Twitter as we're recording this. He said it definitively on the show that that uh, Henry Cavill is back as Superman in Black Adam. And remember a few weeks ago, The Rock tweeted out, I've listened to the fans right before D23, because everyone thought Cavill was going to show up at D23. Um, oh, no. Yeah? No. I'm sorry. At, uh, at Comic-Con. The- no, Comic-Con. Sorry. They thought he was going to show up and he didn't show up. Well, maybe the deal was still supposed to be worked out a little bit more. They didn't want to reveal it just yet, but now it's all coming out. And there, and and apparently, the Rock's manager, who is Danny Garcia, is also Henry Cavill's manager. That's also the Rock's ex-wife. She is known for getting things done. So, gentlemen, do you believe now that this is real, or is this like Santa Claus? You want to believe it's real, but it's not going to be. It's not actually real on Christmas morning. Um, after so many. This is going to happen and nothing has happened this year. Mm-hmm. I say let's let's wait for Black Adam the movie <laughs> to, to see if Henry Cavill We're only days away, my Shannon. Like what, actually days? It's insane. I mean, sure, the, I can yeah. wait another two weeks to, to find <laughs> out definitively. Um, you know, if if he does if he is back, I mean, I, I will agree that uh Henry Cavill has never has not gotten a fair shake at Superman, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, I don't hmm. think he was 
I don't think he had the best director in Zack Snyder um, for, Man, <sighs> for Man of Steel. No, I mean, as much as I do enjoy that movie, I think there's probably a a better director suited to do the kind of Superman Henry Cavill wants to do. Okay. And, you know, he got a little sidelined in, in BVS. Yes. Um, you know, sure. Justice League was what it was. Um, you know, I, I would like to see Henry Cavill have his fair shake at, at, at Superman because I do think he, I think in the hands of the right director, Cavill is a really, really enjoyable actor. In the wrong, in the hands of the wrong director, he is a, a pretty face on screen. So I would like to see can he can he deliver the type of Superman that he wants to deliver. Um, and with all of the sort of tumult at Warner Brothers, I mean, I think. If they are able to get him back, if that's something that he does want to do, um, that kind of encourages me because it's like, okay, the fans are clamoring for Cavill to come back, it seems. So, you know, let's let's see if they're able let's see if they're able to deliver. And in terms of the the rock being the guy who who allegedly made it happen, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we know that the rock is one of the sort of the few true movie stars. Yeah. That we have still in Hollywood. So if if that does if that does turn out to be true, it's just another it's another uh, uh, feather in his cap, I suppose. Yeah, a lot of people saying the rock is the rock's work is done. Getting Cabell back, he did his job. Uh, (laughs) Which is fascinating to me. Um, Michael, your thoughts here? Do you do you believe this story? And if it is true, um, what's your level of excitement on this? Maybe it's true. I mean, I do. I think The Rock. If anybody is going to be able to go to a studio and say, "Hey, you need to make this happen," like uh, The Rock is one of like four people in the mm. universe that probably has the ability and clout to uh, to do that. So that could be the case. Um, like Shannon said, we will see when Black Adam comes out. I think my feelings about it are mixed. I actually agree with Shannon that I think Henry Cavill has never really gotten a good shake at, say, at playing Superman. Like, he's not my favorite Superman, but I don't feel that that's necessarily Henry Cavill's fault. Uh, I agree that Zack Snyder was probably not the guy to direct the type of Superman that Henry Cavill has in him to do. Uh, and between um, Man of Steel being what it is, and then BBS being what it is, yeah, and then that, Justice League yeah. being that whole mess like it's just been probably not the best experience for him i think what makes me nervous slash kind of not excited about this news is that superman is a big deal Mm -hmm. superman is the og superhero superman is the steve rogers captain america of the dc universe and it just feels like he's being just dragged around and nobody knows what to do. Like, that yeah. Warner Brothers it's has no point. idea what to do with Superman. And the only reason he's going to even be in Black Adam is because The Rock was like, we need to make this happen. And Warner Brothers, okay, well, we got to keep The Rock happy. Um, but so he's going to what? Maybe be in, like, the very end of the movie or maybe we'll get, like, a post-credit tag and Superman will fly in and be like, hey. Should we race and Black Adam and then the Rock will raise his eyebrow and they'll fly off in the air and we'll and and then Twitter will explode because we'll be like, oh my god, he's back. But like, is that really like what we want for Superman? And then there's these rumors beyond that that, oh, we're maybe developing a Superman movie, but it's like Superman should be the center of what the DC universe is supposed to be. 
This should be not, oh, Ezra Miller, we got to get him into therapy so that people don't get mad because this movie's really good and then we're going to bring Michael Keaton back and that's going to be awesome and I want Flashpoint to be good and I'm excited about Michael Keaton coming back. But at the end of the day, Superman is Superman. And it just doesn't feel like he's really necessarily being treated like Superman. He's kind of like, oh, we got to do something with him. The fans are really going yeah. crazy on Twitter, and I guess we got to use him. So let's let's figure something out. And that just doesn't really get me excited the way that I want to be excited about Superman. I think you make excellent points, Michael. I hadn't thought about that in that in that way, you know, because I've been just so excited to have him back that I didn't right. think about how they're bringing him back, right? And like throwing him in as a as a, a cameo scene in a in a Black Adam movie, so you can make money on the Black Adam movie and then maybe launch him back. That's not the way you bring Superman back. Like you make a big deal, like at Comic Con, you make a huge deal of Henry Cavill walking out there. You make it the central point, so and you give him more to do, or you announce that movie to announce it afterwards in the in the trades. There's not that kind of spectacle that Superman deserves, and so in a way, you're walking down the same path that you walked before, which is. Uh, the awkward rollout and then the reaction and then trying to readjust on the fly how you want Cavill Superman to be. And in the end, we're going to be back in the same boat possibly if this doesn't go well. And certainly Zaslav's tenure already uh, full of a lot of drama and missteps and fumbles and stumbles. So is this a way of writing the ship this early in the process? Or is this something that they're going to also fumble which would be a shame because I, I, you know, I, and I agree. I don't fully agree with that. Uh, I think he, with Shannon and you, like, I think Zack Snyder was great for Man of Steel. I think he's, I think Cavill is great in Man of Steel. It's a nice, different Superman. But I do agree that there was a plan to swing Superman back to be the Richard Donner Superman after the end of the five movies that Snyder was going to do. So he was doing a graphic novel and everybody uh-huh. wanted Donner Superman again. And he was doing a graphic novel and maybe they, yeah. They ran before they could walk, and that's the mistake all around to take from the Zack Snyder situation, even though I do like the movies for the most part, except for BBS. So this, you got to honor him sticking around and wanting to play the role and do and doing these things. So I think a way better rollout needs to happen here. So, okay, do the cameo, but somehow you've got to do a way better rollout after the movie comes out to launch a Superman movie coming back. And I don't know what that is because they canceled DC Fandom, so I don't know what that is to showcase that, but... Yeah, you've kind of changed my mind a little bit on this, Michael. I was just excited, but hadn't even think about how it was rolling out and how that might look for Superman being the central part of DC, which he has been since the beginning almost. So Yeah, I mean, look, you think about, and look, I know that Matt Reeves' Batman movies are not like a part of the bigger DC universe mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that Keaton will probably be the Batman if they keep with that plan or whatever, but just think about the two years of hype that yeah. we got around the Batman. Right. And the yeah. build to it and all of the little reveals and here's the Batmobile and here's our Pat in the suit and like, oh, this is going to be a detective kind of story. And just like just the every single bit of information we got that got us more and more and more excited. And then when the Batman came out, you're like, yeah, this really feels like Batman. Like this yeah. is it's not a perfect movie. And we all had, you know, our, our, our issues here and there and with the third act. But, like, it really felt like Batman. And that was great. And so you really felt like they understood how to launch that character. Um, and with Superman, it just feels like they're like, hey, okay, maybe. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Let's figure something out. I don't know. <laughs> Shannon, your final thoughts on this? Any final thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, you, you guys are right. Like, 
you, you want the return of Superman to to be an event, but I also feel like at this point they've kind of shot that bullet. So it's like uh, if if you can find a way to uh, insert him organically um, in a tag in some sort of you know uh, stinger you know post credit sequence, great. Um, because at this point, it's like, hey, he's back. It's like, well, he was only around for three movies, and he was really only around for one of them. Yeah. So I don't know. I like, I, I do understand. I do understand the point that Superman being sort of the central figure of of a DC, you know, cinematic universe, that does make sense. But until they figure out what they're doing, um, I, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty high bar to leap for right yeah, now. For sure. And when you're looking at Black Adam trailers, I mean, it seems like he's kicking everyone's ass in the trailer. So who's going to stop him? You know, poor Hawkman's been used twice now as a as a punching dummy in those both of those trailers. And I feel like Dr. Fate isn't going to be able to stop him or anybody else involved in it. So <laughs> at that point, do they call in Superman? Superman kicks his ass for a little bit and gets him to see reason. I don't know. It's really interesting to see if he does show up. I mean, my brother Snyder is rarely wrong. So... Uh, I guess I'm planning on. I, I, look, I'd be happy to be wrong. Like to your yeah. point, listen. If they've been planning this the whole time, and they just and for for reasons that are beyond any of us, they just decided not to ever reveal this in the marketing. But if the third act of the Black Adam movie, Superman shows up, and there's like a significant toe to toe, awesome. The chances of that, I think, yeah. are very low. The I chances think. of. The Rock really pressed Warner Brothers, and they brought him in. And there's going to be an Easter egg, a tag, a post-credit sequence. Mm. Seems more likely. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Maybe it'll be an amazing post-credit sequence, and I'll come out and be like, you know what? I was wrong. It's a great way to bring him back. Super into it. But that remains to be seen. Yeah. Then Ryan Reynolds is Green Lantern, and they'll bring everybody back. Um, <laughs> let's take a quick break. We'll jump into our last topic in the first section of the show here. Right after this. Do 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 do. It's good. All right. The last time I hummed a RuPaul song, uh, Vogel oh. Vogel took me to, took took me to task. So I figured oh. <laughs> let's just do just, let's just do just the two of us. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, yes, Mikey. well, what let's get gay. Um, so <laughs> I want, that's the shirt. That's the next shirt. Let's Jesus get gay. Christ. Uh, so, Bros, uh, <laughs> the uh, gay romantic comedy from Billy Eichner, um, starring all, uh, for the most part, gay and LGBTQ actors, actresses, and other, mm-hmm. uh, came out and did not do great. Uh, Billy Eichner took to Twitter, told everybody that if they didn't see his movie, they were homophobic. <laughs> and yeah. that surprisingly did not work great. And uh, Bros kind of came out and made just a little bit under five million, about four point eight million for its opening weekend, which for a big release is not uh, not awesome for Universal. So a lot of discussion on why Bros didn't do well. Uh, is it because people just don't want to see gay movies? What's going on? Um, you know, they're thinking that right now, just looking at like box office kind of projections, Bros is probably going to earn ultimately about twelve million dollars at the box office, which is not great for a twenty till for a movie with a twenty-two million dollar budget, where they also probably spent roughly thirty million dollars on the marketing. Yeah. So everybody is trying to figure out why this movie didn't do well. It had really high Rotten Tomatoes score, really high Cinema score. Critics said it was really pretty funny. Uh, I know I don't know if Shannon has seen the movie. I know Roka saw the movie. I yeah. saw the movie. 
movie the other night at the Grove. Uh, packed theater on a Wednesday night. Uh, it was like being in West Hollywood. I was basically at a gay bar, except that we were all watching a movie. Um, <laughs> You know, it's a really, really funny movie. There's a lot of really good things about it. It is a fun, solid romantic comedy. Um, But the question is, why didn't it do well? Did it not do well because Middle America is not ready for a gay romantic comedy and it really is sort of more of a gay versus straight homophobic thing? Or are there other reasons? You know, Forbes has a whole article this week about bros and why it didn't do well. LA Times has a whole article about bros as well. Like, a lot of people are writing a lot of think pieces about it. And the truth is, even beyond the gay part of it, there's a lot of other factors that are going into this. Um, One of them being um, run-of-the-mill comedies just aren't doing that well in the box office in general. We've been talking about this since the pandemic. Yeah. Um, the movies that are really doing great in theaters are the big tentpole movies, the spectacle movies, the Marvel movies, like the the DC movies. You know, uh, comedies, just straight run-of-the-mill comedies, romantic comedies, they've been doing less and less well, even with star power behind them. And Billy Eichner was very, very public about the fact that they were casting all LGBTQ actors. There aren't huge names there's no chris evans or ryan reynolds is playing the boyfriend like so there's you know there's a lot of reasons why this probably was passed over a lot of people are thinking that it's going to do really well when it comes to peacock or when it comes to streaming um that people are going to check it out there but ultimately this is uh not for sure the movie uh it's not the box office that universal wanted Based on his Twitter, it's clearly not the box office Billy Eichner wanted. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about it? Is is America just not ready for a raunchy gay sex rom-com? Or are there other reasons? What are your thoughts about it? Well, I think there's a significant portion of the population that 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 is not going to be comfortable with a gay rom-com. Like, that's mm-hmm. just kind of nuts and bolts. There, there is going to be a section of the population that was not going to see this movie regardless. Um, also, I mean, when you look at the two lead actors, like I thought it was a really well-written movie. I thought it was a really funny movie. I thought the two lead actors shouldn't have been in the movie. Um, I'm like, do do you get more traction putting Jim Parsons up there? Do you get more traction putting Dan Levy up there? I mean, like a, uh, a face that is a little more recognizable. A lot of people know Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. A lot of people like him. Billy Eichner, the folks that that are not necessarily industry folks. The folks that are aware of him are aware of the guy who yells at people in New York. And like, he's not, I mean, there, there's a reason that the the poster is two dudes putting their hands in their back pockets and not his face, because a lot of people either don't know who he is or they don't really like him. Um, in terms of performances, I also think like Luke McFarlane was fine, but I think there are probably better actors out there that are also gay that made like uh, Jonathan Groff. I mean, you know, I mean, there are, I think there were better casting options that they could have used that maybe would have gotten a few more eyeballs on it. Um, But also, as you said, I mean, the, the last comedy I think to really do well was the lost, the lost city. Mm. And that had Sandra Bullock, who again, one of the biggest actresses in the world and Brad Pitt um, and Harry Potter, was yeah. your bad guy? I mean, you know, there well, were just and it a, was an and it was an action comedy, right? Yes, yes. I mean, that's the other it, thing. Is it wasn't it, just a straight up comedy. Yeah. Like it, it had it had other elements. Yeah. I mean, and truthfully, I thought Bros was a way better movie than The Lost oh, City. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think 
I think there are several factors. And again, John and I had talked about this last week, but it's like, uh, there's always going to be a case to be, to be made. Like if it had made 15 million instead of 5 million, people would have been like, this is brilliant counter programming to, to Halloween. Like this is exactly the movie that, you know, that, that was needed right now. I mean, there's always going to be someone making the opposite argument. Um, so it, you know, it's a shame that, it it did not get a lot of eyeballs on it right now, but I mean the whole streaming possibility, especially because Peacock with Universal, you know that you know that that sort of corporate synergy that I, I think more people are going to be checking it out. And based yeah. off of the other sort of uh, uh, gay films that have come out, what was it? The Fire Festival, the one with Bone Yang, Fire Festival, is that what it was called? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Fire Island. Fire Island, yeah. um, Fire Island, and the one with Kristen Stewart that came out uh, a couple years ago. The happiest season. I, I mean, yeah. Bros by far is the best of those movies. Mm. So the hope is that more people will check it out when they can see it on streaming. Yeah, I mean, they took a chance, and I think there's nothing wrong with that to see if there's a market for this. And they put it out there as a as a feature film with all the push of a big studio behind it. And I, you know, with happiest season that went to streaming fire Island went to, or fire went to streaming. So, yeah. So, so this one, they wanted to the push and look, Eichner, Eichner has been working in comedy for quite some time and you're right, Shannon, he's not that well known because some of those shows are niche shows like difficult people. It only lasted two seasons. The college one, I think was two or three seasons. I think you were on that channel or you auditioned for it. I think I remember you. Oh no, then, I was on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It was on that one. And then, <laughs> Yeah, and then um, the uh, then the Billy on the Street. I love it, but Eichner has been kind of um, saddled with that character because that's most people's exposure to him through social media and whatever is seeing those clips. So they think that's who he is, right? With Sam Kinison, did you think he was a really chill guy that hung out in the back? No, you thought he was the screaming dude all the time. And so I understand how people might kind of put that on him and maybe not want to go see that. And certainly he played an element of that character in the movie, um, which I think worked for what he had constructed. And I agree, Shannon, it's a very well-written film. Nicholas Stoller, who is not a stranger to making great romantic comedies uh, that usually do well in the box office, was behind the camera. So you had a good combination of things going on. Maybe it was the stars, but I think it's much more that people aren't, and I'm saying this from all political spectrums, people aren't... Um, jazz to go see a gay rom-com or to go see a comedy period and we're seeing that with multiple evidences of it if this had gone to streaming i think this would probably have done way better numbers than if it had gone than it did in the theaters and you've got to kind of call this out a little bit and look to me when you you pair this with in the heights you pair this with west side story you pair this with other movies i start to wonder how studios are reading this right yes we're seeing diversity in casting in the superhero world and all these other but but as Michael said, action stuff is going to get people in theaters. Horror stuff, like Smile made $19 million on the same weekend. And, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to see how many people really know that lead actress versus Billy Eichner. But because it's horror, more people are willing to give it a chance. Comedy and romantic comedy, I, people, feel, people feel like, well, I'll just wait till it comes on streaming and I don't have mm-hmm. to you know, go to the theater or whatever. It might be an element of that going on overall here that we're seeing but i know if i'm a studio and i'm looking at this and look west side story made 10 million in the heights didn't make dick this film uh made only 5 million i'm looking like do i really want to invest in these kinds of movies that all these liberal people are screaming about and progressive people say we need 
but then they don't come and fucking patronize the movie. So for me as a studio, the only color I care about is green. And do I want to invest in these films? And although they should morally, of course, should they though business wise? And I think that's, that's what concerns me about here. But look, the first one through the wall is always the one with the most scars. And so unfortunately, Billy may have to walk or crawl so that other gay rom-coms coming down the pike can run. We shall see. Yeah, but I mean, I think also to your point, uh, mm-hmm. look, musicals traditionally, at least lately, don't do great at the box office. So you can say that In the Heights didn't do well because it was an all Latino cast, or you can mm-hmm. say that West Side Story didn't do well because it's a story about they had a Latino with, bent more than a before, la- yeah. with a Latino bent to it, and they and they and they leaned more into that, and people didn't respond to that. But musicals themselves are not like a huge, huge box office draw, with the exception of something like Greatest Showman, right. which opened horribly and just had amazing legs because it was a complete surprise to everybody. Right. Similarly, like you know, comedies in general aren't doing great. I mean, the biggest rom com of recent memory that did great was Crazy Rich Asians. Which yeah, is an right. entire Asian cast. That's a good point. And I don't think that that movie did well because it was an entire Asian cast. Mm-hmm. I think that movie did well because it was a fucking gorgeous movie. Like, that movie gave you spectacle in a way that action movies give you just in a different way. Like, it was this Cinderella story. It was super... It was like rich people porn. Like, it was like, let's just watch, like, all of this amazing stuff. And people came out in droves to see it. So I don't think that it was like... I don't think that people are all of a sudden saying, well, we prefer Asian films over Latin films. I just think if a film gives you that I gotta go see it in the movie theater vibe, people are gonna go see it. Um, And so I think that... Well, what a spectacle lot was missing from In the Heights and West Side Story that was... Musicals Musicals are a different bag. Like, to your okay. point, I just think that you take the exact same information and you put it in a chart, mm-hmm. and it's easy to look at it all and say, well, the common denominator of Bros and West Side Story and In the Heights is these were progressive films that pushed diversity and people didn't want to see it. Yeah. But you're ignoring the fact that even though musicals are inherently a spectacle, yeah. people lately don't really go out to see musicals no, unless they're animated. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, yeah, and with and then you say, well, with bros, you're like, well, it was because it was a gay thing. But then Shit's Creek on TV is winning Emmys, and everybody loves it because, as Shannon said, everyone loved the uh, that the David Rose romance story. So. I said it was an L. I didn't say it was only because it was a gay thing. I'm saying these no, are. No, I wasn't saying you were. I wasn't saying oh, okay. you were saying, saying that. You're saying the royal you. Gotcha, gotcha. In general, yeah. the royal you, the royal, the royal, the royal, the, not the royal Roca, the royal you. But no, I just think that it's a it's a dangerous thing because it's easy in the in the world that we live in right now, where everything kind of gets politicized and everything is either. People didn't go see this because it was a gay movie, or people only right. went to see this because it was a gay movie. Like, it's a very funny romantic comedy, and romantic yeah. comedies aren't doing great at the box office right now. Um, but, so I think that's but, it. But I also think it's fair to kind of chastise these groups who are always calling for this stuff online and on social media and calling out studios and writing these really well written articles on these websites, and then they don't fucking show up for these movies. So who is re- who is really? Needing these films if they're not going to show up. People need to understand the power of their patronage and their money. You don't even have to go to the movie. Buy the ticket online. Don't show up. You still supported the movie. So this is what I think. But, is, is I'm As I'm getting older, I'm starting to see this kind of cracks in this liberal progressive stuff. And I worry about it because I'm like, I was all in, but you're not showing up for the stuff. I don't care but, if it's a comedy or a musical. Show up. Show the fuck but, up. You know? But here's the thing. And, and first of all, 
we should all remember that although we all think that the entire universe is on Twitter, Twitter is a relatively small percentage of the wider population. So all of those people on Twitter that are calling for things every day as we're scrolling through our news feeds is not most of the world. Right, but you can't deny that when Twitter turns on someone, nine times out of ten they get canceled. Nine times they lose their job or they get suspended. Yeah, because studios and and journalists and publishers and all the people that are writing the news stories are on Twitter. And then they write the news stories in People Magazine or Entertainment Weekly or things that other people do read. So, yes, Twitter does sort of drive a lot of social media conversation. But it's still not everybody. And the other thing, and I think the most important thing is, nobody wants to be told they have to go to a movie to support some political ideology. We well, then why the do these people have, feel the need to tell studios what they should be doing then? What's the I difference? can't control what people go on Twitter and type the, to the studios that they need I to know, be doing. I'm but what saying. I'm saying is people go to see a movie. I don't, I don't think that The Birdcage is the funniest comedy that I've ever seen in my life because I'm supporting a gay movie. But that's why I think The Birdcage is the funniest movie that I've ever seen in my life. Because Birdcage is the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. It makes me laugh hard. Um, I think Bros is really good. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't go see Bros to go, oh, well, I am a homosexual and uh, I got my meeting from the latest homosexual meeting minutes and I need to go support this movie. You can't say that there wasn't an element of that of you wanting to – can you really say that? That you would know there was not even an element of that of wanting to support a gay rom-com that starred all gay people? Even in the straight roles. I think it's cool that Billy Eichner did that. I appreciate that he did that. Um, I did want to go see a movie because there were going to be jokes that, as you said, like you texted me as soon as you got out of that movie and you were like, is that what Grindr is really like? And I was like, that is 100% what Grindr is really like, John. Um, That that has happened to me. and if you've seen the movie, there you go. There you but go. uh but yeah, like so I I think like all of us, you know, we all went to go see it on Wednesday night. Like I said, it was a packed theater and it was yeah. really fun to see a romantic comedy. I was talking about this last night with some friends, like as a gay guy, uh, or a, a, anyone in the LGBTQ community, uh, gay, lesbian, non-binary, trans, if you are someone who loves romantic comedies, as I do, you grew up most of your life seeing a movie where you related to it to a degree, but it was through a filter. I can I can love Notting Hill and love Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts falling in love with each other or Pretty Woman or My Best Friend's Wedding or any Julia Roberts movie, basically. And I can go, oh, this is so romantic. I love it. But it isn't exactly my experience because my experience is not heteronormative. Yeah. So going to see a movie like Bros where the grinder jokes and going to the gay bar and getting in the weird conversation with the shirtless hot guy that then disappears and going to the awkward dinner where you're talking about gay rights and the other parents are like, Oh, we are uncomfortable. Like that was a one-to-one, like all of it directly related to me. So I appreciated seeing a movie that relates to me, but I go see movies that I'm excited to see. And I, and you can't browbeat people and say, you need to support this movie because that's fair. diversity, like right. make really, really good movies. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's absolutely, absolutely. That's the number one thing. Make really, really good movies. People will eventually come as you do more of them. And I hope there will be more of them. Uh, but I also think the same people who are saying, don't tell me what to do. Don't turn around and start telling studios what to do. Have yeah. some awareness of your hypocrisy. Have some awareness is all I'm saying. 
Um, Shannon, I, think, I do think on, a, on the good news after the break, we're going to talk about a movie that's coming out that is filled with diversity that I'm yeah. pretty sure is going to make a shit fuck ton of money. But it's also an action movie. Uh, yes. Shannon, any, any final thoughts on this? I know Mike and I have been talking a bit, so. Well, no, I mean, I thought, you know, Billy Eichner wanting to cast uh, all LGBTQ mm. performers, I was like, that was great for the community, maybe not the best for the, not the best business decision, because there were a lot of fun little supporting roles that you could have threw a movie star in there. Um, you know, there, yeah, there were one... a few cameos. There were, yeah, but I, see I, I can point. think of, I can think of one, um, which I won't, which I won't name just right. because it's not been publicized. <laughs> and, yeah. But I think there there were small like I think the only other recognizable person from the marketing or at least from the trailers was Bone Yang. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't watch SNL, you don't know who Bone Yang is. That's true. Um, there were there were smaller roles that they could have stunt cast, but he made a decision, and yeah. or, or rather the creative team made a decision, yeah. and this is sort of you know the fallout from it. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's take a quick break after that nice discussion and jump into uh, a little dissection analysis and uh, reaction to. The new Wakanda Forever trailer that dropped earlier this week right after this. That's good. I like that. Wow. I, I wanted to do the drums. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on here. There was a new trailer that dropped earlier this week, Wakanda Forever. I'm not going to spend too much time setting it up. I think everybody who's watching us has watched it. We've watched it. So, gentlemen, the second trailer to come out, I think this is the first official. I think the last one was a teaser. This one gave us more Namor. We saw more of the funeral. We actually saw what looks to be a female body in the, the Black Panther outfit. And we definitely... Yeah, it's, it looks, it's a female body. <laughs> Listen, nowadays, I don't want to say anything. I'm just saying it that looks is like... clearly a female body. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't Winston Duke. <laughs> that, is not, that is not Winston Duke. Maybe Winston on the Atkins diet. But, yeah, so we got, we got the... It seems to me like the bad setting up Wakanda versus uh, mm-hmm. uh, Namor's uh, versus Atlantis, essentially. And uh, we got more of the heritage, great visuals. So, gentlemen, talk me through what your reactions were to this trailer. What stood out to you? What excites you for what's coming? And, I mean, we're a little bit just over a month away from this thing coming out. So it's insane. Gentlemen. Um, whereas the first, uh, the teaser of the first trailer was just sort of an emotional wallop. Oh, yeah. Um you know, we all saw it in Hall H, and so we got to feed off of that, you know, Ooh. that energy. But also, just watching it in any regular theater recently, like as soon as like you hear the "No woman, no cry," like immediately, I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> where as this one was just all awesome. I mean, you know, getting to see Namor fly with his uh, <sighs> flapping ankle wings, um, getting to hear the so the cool. voice at. Tanish Huerta is sort of affecting we get more like again that first one was just so emotionally charged and with this one we're reminded oh that's right Black Panther is also an incredible action franchise Mm. and looking at the differences because Namor Aquaman you know looking at the world that James Wan constructed like this is how this is how the Atlanteans swim underwater, how they sort of propel themselves. Whereas this, there, it looks uh, real. Hmm. Like, it's a very grounded take on how Atlanteans, like, they're literally hanging on to a whale as they're, you know, going through the water. And when they're swimming by themselves, they're doing more of that, you know, the, kind of that dolphin motion hmm. that we see some swimmers do. I mean, it was... It, 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 it was just uh, so much to take in. Getting to see the first little bit of Ironheart with Riri Williams, yeah. getting that that POV shot or the the, the heads up display shot. 
Um, everything was great. And knowing that, that they had released the uh, release time or, or running time, that it was going to be two hours and 40 minutes, going to be the second longest film in the MCU catalog. Um, whatever they have, there's a lot of it and they're mm-hmm. confident. So, I mean, on the heels of two, two hour, around two hour movies, getting something this hefty. I mean, it makes me excited as a, as a fan. Yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, Eternals was met with scoff and scorn for being that long. Now this one is, there's an excitement about how much we're going to get. And certainly those last two films you mentioned, uh, Shannon got crap for feeling like they were cut a little short that there yeah. should have been more time with that. So very interesting. Mike, thoughts on your uh, thoughts on this trailer? What stood out to you? What, what really affected you? Here? It, I mean, this thing blows me away. I, I am, I am so excited for this movie. Like this is like Spider-Man, no way home level excitement. Like it is, it is so through the roof. It was, it was with like Shannon said, when we saw that trailer in comic con, it blew me away. This trailer was just more of the same, but in the right ways. Mm. Uh, it really got me stoked. Again, I just love, Per our DC conversation earlier, <laughs> I just love that Marvel has just like like everything. Not it's not always perfect. They always have a couple things like we can talk all day long about multiverse of madness. But you know, we ended Black Panther with the world now knows about Wakanda, yeah. and this movie picks up on exactly what that type of revelation would cause, mm-hmm. um, which is. Not only does the world now know that the that, that there's a country in Africa that is the most advanced country on the planet, right. but also their leader is for reasons that we will find out gone. So like when uh, when Angela Bassett is up there talking and she's like, I hear what you guys say. You say that we've lost our protector. Like, you know, it's very clear that this movie is about people are coming for Wakanda. They want yeah. that vibranium. They want that technology. And finding out why the the uh why namor and his people i want to say atlanteans but whatever they end up being called like what you know like what namor and his people how they tie into this story whether is there like another deposit of vibranium do they also want the vibranium like why this all happens where we're going to get this epic battle Um, and i think as john said super super early and i think like they came out like namor is not the villain of this movie like there's it is very clear in the way that they are setting him up they're not setting this guy to be a heavy a heavy he's not even going to be the dick that namor Mm -hmm. is in the comics probably um he seems like uh like a leader of his people uh and so seeing how these two cultures are going to clash together who the big bad guy is I know everyone online, I've seen like 15 YouTube videos that are like, let me explain to you all the reasons why Killmonger is coming back that are hinted at in this trailer. And I was like, all right, I guess Marvel fans have their version of Henry Cavill showing up at Comic-Con too. I'm like, guys, I don't know that Killmonger is the big bad here. Um, but I just think it's amazing. And again, like things that Marvel does so well is they're just not afraid to like stick to the source material. There is no reason that that man should look as cool as he does zipping around in the air with little wings on his ankles. Yeah. That should look so stupid. Right. And I like screamed when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to Shannon's point, like I think the, this introduction of Riri Williams is awesome. Like placing yeah. her in this movie, giving her a big featured role, not some tiny little Easter egg. Like she puts that mech suit together. And to Shannon's point, when you see her, in that heads up display that we are so familiar with at this point because of Tony. Yeah. Um, and we see her face in there. I was like, God damn, I'm fucking on board for another decade. Keep giving it to me. 
even with the missteps. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's just so emotional to watch. I didn't get as emotional in this trailer I, because I just think it wasn't trying to necessarily go that route. As Shannon pointed out, there's much more action in this, and there's much more about the story. And, uh, Michael, you very astutely pointing out how, okay, what's the reaction of the world that, look, this country, it is an African country, they were hiding things from us as the world. What would the reaction be? Certainly there'll be people who were wanting to take it because, of course, the, the world is full of historical um, tales and stories of countries going into continents and taking their resources and taking, and, base, and taking them over and whatever. So is that what we're seeing happening? Uh, how are they pitting um, uh, Namor's kingdom versus Wakanda's kingdom if that's what's going to go out? We see the water flooding, which is, of course, from an X-Men thing. So is that going to play in uh, X-Men storyline? Rather, is that going to play into uh, this overall story? But, I mean, just the visuals here for Namor. I mean, just this descent into the shark's mouth throne is incredible to look at. And as Michael mentioned, the winged feet as well. Yeah, same reaction. If you watch my trailer reaction, I was like, ah! I just like clearly lost my shit because I'd never – thought I'd see that in a way that didn't right. look stupid. And you were right, Mike. It looks so good. Plus his movement. When we see him moving, the quickness of his movement is unsettling. He moves like a hummingbird. Yeah, it's like, like a hummingbird. hummingbird. Exactly. Like, and, Ram- and Queen Ramonda, you see her saying, the- they're coming after us. You see her fear. And, you know, in the last trailer, we hear her say, I gave up my husband. I gave up my son. What more do you want from me? So there's a real feeling of like, being attacked and she wants to go on the defensive and she changes the line from the first black panther when she says show them what you're made of in this she says show them what we're made of yeah who is she talking to what does that mean so it's clearly about wakanda um embracing their power in the world as a world power and making the other countries respect them and finding out who their real allies are in the world, I do anticipate by the end it'll be them come together with Namor and his kingdom. I, think that's, I mean, I against, think that's probably a safe right, bet, yeah. right? I think that's a bigger bet. Yeah. If they don't do that, I yeah. think it will be very interesting to see. Like, look, this is a big epic. This is the finale of Phase Four of the yeah, MCU. Yeah. Yeah. So, to your point and what you said from the very beginning, which I do agree with, I don't think at any point they're going to make Namor and his people the villains. Right. You could still do a movie where you get to the end and although Wakanda and uh, Namor and his people are no longer fighting, they might not still like each other. Like you could like, there might, we might be setting up some bigger things Mm -hmm. for phase five and phase six. Um, So maybe they're not going to do the typical, like, okay, these two teams came together and said, let's go against the real bad guys, but they also really could. And it would probably work. So it's, they've got a lot of time to tell that story. Uh, So then the other big question I think is, I know that we're all assuming that Shuri is the Black Panther. I haven't assumed anything. I just know that there's a woman in that outfit. That's all I know. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot Winston of... Duke. Not Winston Duke. It's not Winston Duke. It's not Winston Duke. <laughs> and there's a lot of reasons to assume that it's Shuri. I mean, based on the trailer. Sure, like, sure. The, um, holding the, the... The, pattern, the pattern on the new Black Ooh. Panther's forehead matches exactly uh, the pattern of the... Of the of the stuff that Shuri had on her face at the end when she put on all of her like war makeup uh, yeah. at the end of the first Black Panther movie when she fought Killmonger, um, the movie poster definitely puts Shuri dead center below the Black Panther face. Good point. And you know a lot of people have said in that first trailer to your point, Queen Ramunda when she's speaking to the United Nations or whoever she's speaking to mm-hmm. says she's lost her whole family. Right. 
And there's a lot of conjecture that in the trailer, like when we see Shuri in the throne room and it's on fire, that does Shuri disappear for a while? Like the, even when um, in that shot where Namor is in the reflection of the throne room before it all shatters, yeah. it's Queen Ramonda, but Riri is standing next to her, not Shuri. Right. So sure, yeah. does Shuri disappear for half of this movie and go on some spirit journey? Um, and Riri has to step up as the other resident genius to like fill that gap. And then Ooh. Shuri comes back at the end. So there's a lot of little hints in the trailer that make you go, okay, Shuri's the new Black Panther. Shuri's the new Black Panther. Right. All that being said, that is so the likely answer that a part of me still wonders if that's what's going to happen or are we going to be really surprised? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shannon, like, what, what do you, you think? think? Yeah. I mean, I, it, again, that's that's what they are presenting us with. Like it's it's one of those things that it's so obvious. It's it it, it almost shouldn't be. Right. Um but thinking about at least with Namor, you know, uh, Winston Duke has that line where he's like, you know, they don't call him king or general. Yes. They call him this name. That means, you know, feather God. serpent Kukul God. Yeah, um, like God. if you, if you, if we kill him, like that's all out war. So it's like, what is the inciting incident that mm. he would be? It, I mean, it's being, it's being discussed as like, he could be killed. Like, but what what what's happening right now like it's I, i'm i'm so excited to see this movie but also i know that uh michaela cohen from i i may destroy you like that's someone that has been cole, talked michaela about cole. michaela cole is michaela cole yeah. um uh is someone who's been talked about as a potential new black panther mm-hmm. because it's like is she just a new new door melage or yeah. it's like it, is there something more to this character because i believe her character's name is not from the comics yeah so i don't know no, i think it we'll is see. isn't she i think anika, she? no anika's anika's from the comics uh she io who we all know from the first movie and then um uh falcon and winter soldier yes. i believe in the, I'm, i could be wrong correct me in the comments if i'm not but i think io and anika are lovers and at a certain point in the comic actually kind of go rogue and wear these like blue suits that uh, they end up sort of protecting women in different parts of Africa and uh, and kind of being like these rebel Dora Milaje that kind of matches the color of the suit that we see um, Nakia in. So there's a lot of conjecture yeah. about that. But all that being said, I'm kind of with you. Like Michaela Cole is a pretty big name to cast as one of the new Dora Milaje. And I think that there's an interesting story about a great leader coming from the most unexpected of places where, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody's in as much as we are all nerds who are sitting around going, who's going to be the next black Panther um, from a storytelling standpoint, you know, Wakanda loses T'Challa and there's a big open space of who should be the next black Panther. And everyone yeah. that we are talking about, whether that's M'Baku or Nakia or Okoye or any of these, like, or Shuri, like, yeah all have legitimate reasons that you could make that case. And now we have Michaela Cole coming into this movie and you're like, well, I don't know who she is. And like, wouldn't that be amazing? So I don't know. It'll be, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. Or even Angela Bassett. We saw her in the what if being kicking a lot of ass in that, uh, in that uh, story as well. Uh, But to go back to Michael's point here, it's, this is the comparison. You can tell, see the, the design on Shuri's face. Versus the design on the Black Panther. I mean, that's a very, very good claim to make. Yeah. If you're going to use any kind of evidence that it could be Shuri as uh, as the new Black Panther. Um, and seeing her carrying the mask of him at the beginning, you know, it, and certainly there's a legacy of her being Black Panther in the comics. 
So it wouldn't be that much of a jump. And sometimes the obvious choice is the best choice uh, because if you yeah. try to go the roundabout way, you can fail in a number of uh, stops along the way to try to get to that point that you're trying to get to. That being said, though, Michaela Cole would be an excellent choice if that's the route they go. I just have a feeling that Lashana Lynch is sitting back there somewhere going, God damn it. God damn it. Because if you've seen her in No Time to Die and in The Woman King, she is awesome. And she would have been an incredible person to bring in here to be Black Panther. And of course, she's uh, Maria Rambeau. So, you know, unfortunately, already in the MCU. it's not, And right. the MCU has done that. Gemma, certainly, they've had Gemma Chan play multiple. So it's possible. But you know, that's just too connected to the Captain Marvel situation to have her switch over. But I think she would have been an excellent choice yeah. to slide in if Michaela Cole is what they're setting up to be the new Black Panther, it could have been fun to see Lashana come in and play that role and really kick ass. And I think nobody would have had an issue with that uh, overall. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, over. But at the end of the day, it's a beautiful uh, trailer. Uh, it certainly looks like it's going to be one of these films that destroys us all emotionally and entertains us like crazy and opens the MC and gets us excited to dive into Phase 5. Phase certainly five. Phase 4 has been very... Um, has a few has had a few missteps, and so people aren't necessarily. But I will, and I said this. I said this the other day to somebody. Uh, for all that Phase Four has maybe not been the smoothest ride of the MCU, if if Wakanda Forever is as good as we are all thinking that it is going to be, um, which is a big if, but if yeah. it is, uh, any any phase of Marvel that has like, if you're gonna give me WandaVision. Spider-Man No Way Home and Wakanda Forever in one phase, I'll forgive you the rest of it. I don't care. I'll, he's I'll good. Throw Loki good. In there. You're good in my yeah. book. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't throw Loki in there. I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, there was enough to enjoy. And look, we've all had those tough school years. As long as we get good grades right at the end, that's what matters for God's sakes. That's what I feel like phase four was. Um, all right, well, let's wrap it up there. We've been going on over an hour. Thank you all so much for watching us. That uh, Wakanda Forever is coming out in November, so uh, get ready for that uh, very soon. Black Adam also around the corner. Uh, so superhero superhero fall is coming, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for that for sure. Shannon, uh, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow not so grumpy Mike Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey. Um, well, everybody is welcome here except for Chris Pratt doing his Mario voice. So anyone oh. else, we are loving you and we're glad you're here. And here's what you can do to help us keep doing what we're doing. Um, you can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he's got going on there. Leave your comments below. What did you think of the Mario trailer? What do you think of Violent Night? Violent Night? Yeah, Violent Night. Um, did you go see Bros? What were your thoughts? Uh, and let us know what you thought of Wakanda Forever and let us know what you think about whatever the hell is going on over at Warner Brothers in DC. Um, let us know below. If you are listening to us on podcast right now, take a minute, give us some stars, leave a little bit of a comment, help us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Hey, thank you all so much. That's well done. And of course, big, big shout out to Carbon Health for powering and sponsoring us here on the Geek Buddies. Go ahead, go on over there to the website, carbonhealth.com. 
get checked out today. If you've got, if you've got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, they will take care of you. Virtual care, in-person care. Uh, they'll handle urgent care as well and do the COVID testing. 80-plus locations all over uh, California and 100-plus locations all over the country. And they're about to announce a new partnership, which I think a lot of people are going to be excited about. I was told about it yesterday. Just a little tease, and we will probably have some information on it on our show as well that will affect a lot of you who are under a certain banner or a certain company. So we shall see down the road. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Thank you all so much for joining us. Y'all take care of yourselves. Don't don't forget about our other reviews that we've got going out and or She-Hulk. They're all out there. House of the Dragon. There's so many of them. There's so many. Yes, I know. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you next time with another brand new uh, uh, episode of The Geek. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.